Thanks, Glenn. Appreciate that. I want to thank Ron Brown and others. <laughs> Ron Brown and others. That's what it says up here. They did a great job. I was really blessed by their music, and uh, it, was, uh, it was beautiful. They sounded great. Good morning, and welcome to Lake Junaluska once again. Good morning. Good to be here, isn't it? It is so beautiful up here. It is just awesome. And I have been so blessed. I've met so many people. Estelle there I met since I've been here. It's been a wonderful. I've met many people here at the camp meeting and have been really blessed. Uh, just want to share a few announcements with you. The bathrooms, in case you don't know, are outside. Uh, the women's bathroom is to my left outside. The men's uh, restroom is to the right. Uh, if um, I want to ask you, how many of you got your fork when you came in? There was a fork and a card that you got. Make sure you have that. Uh, Elizabeth wants to make sure you have that because that's going to be something that you're going to want to hold on to as she's uh, sharing with us today. Also, if you want to hear these messages, my understanding is that 24 hours after the messages are given, they are available online because I was telling my wife's brother-in-law about I heard Elizabeth preach on the Samaritan woman that was the first time that I got to hear here at camp meeting and uh, I told him about that sermon and he wanted to hear it and I, I didn't know exactly when they were going to be available but I asked uh, before I came up here when they're available and they're available 24 hours after um, they are recorded so I just wanted to let you know that uh, there are also books available, uh, Elizabeth's books are available at the ACBC store. Uh, my wife got all five of the books that are available. She picked those up and she took them back. I think we're going to use them for Wednesday night prayer meeting, the, the, the download stuff. I already decided we're going to do that because I'm always looking for something for, for a prayer meeting that's interesting and that grabs people's attention and that has meaning. So uh, I, we're going to use those for Wednesday night prayer meeting, um, and I think people will love those. They will enjoy those because they're Christ-focused. And our church is very much Christ-focused. It's about Jesus. It ain't about other stuff. Sometimes we get confused. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So uh, let me see if there's anything else. I think that's everything. I'd like to begin with a word of prayer uh, before we get started, and then uh, Elizabeth will come up and share with you the word of God this morning. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as we are here today as a faith community, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can come here and be at Lake Junaluska and be spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and just physically healed, Lord, during this time that we are here. And we need your healing power, dear Father in heaven, as we are here today, Lord, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and hearing the messages of God's love for us and his care for us, his compassion, all of the things, Lord, that Jesus has done for us and is doing for us, Lord, we pray that you will continue to bless Elizabeth as she shares the word of God with, her, dear, with us, dear Father. May uh, the words that she shares with us, Lord, uh, touch our hearts, Lord, and our minds and our entire beings, dear Father, that we may understand the depths of your love for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I noticed that every day we start a little earlier I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> and I was thankful to, to hear a whole little mini concert today by the choir. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. 
Before I start the topic this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about our ministry because I have received a lot of questions of where you can find our materials. So because we want to help the ABC, I keep bringing to you that the ABC, ACBC, like you call them here, has brought all my books, which about, they are about 14 books altogether. So there is uh, a series of the five Gospels, the four Gospels plus Revelation, the fifth Gospel. There's also the sharing book for last year, which was the Exodus journey. This is a whole um, study on the book of Exodus and our way to the promised land. The Exodus journey, choosing trust over anxiety on our way to the promised land. What I want to tell you about these books, which was brought up by the pastor here now, is that many of these books, we have put them together with our television series, which means that you have 12 chapters on the books, and then you have 12 videos that are free for you to watch, one per chapter. So some of them even have questions at the end for discussion. So we have the Exodus one that way. We have one called After God's Heart, which is the whole life of David, and it's a study in brokenness from the life of David, of why God allowed so much brokenness in the life of David in order to make him the leader that he made him. And uh, there is videos for every chapter. So many churches use these for small groups and for Wednesday nights and for all of that. Then we have one called Radical Discipleship, which is a book on the 12 disciples. Same thing. You have 12 videos. Each video goes with one of the chapters. And uh, yeah, we have many booklets. We have whole Bible study series made on the Goel how to give Bible studies based on the Goel concept that we learned yesterday. And what I wanted to tell you that most of you don't know is that we also do biblical studies for children. So the ACBC brought a lot of our coloring books. We have a coloring book that um, helps the kids to put together all the Old Testament stories with Jesus. So every page is divided in two, let's say the story of David and an arrow showing how that story was fulfilled in Jesus. Same thing with Moses, same things with Joseph. So one of the coloring books is to teach the kids that all the Bible was about Jesus, pointing to Jesus. The second one is the miracles of Jesus. And um, they, each page has a QR code because we created a video for each coloring page. And the PDFs are free for you to download to do your children's story at church and then show the, the one minute and 30 second video for the kids. Uh, so there is a lot of material in our website. So I'm going to show you a little bit about our website before I start. Um, if we can have the first slide. This is our ministry. Most of you already know Jesus 101 is one of the seven media ministries of the North American Division. We have seven official ministries of the North American Division. There are It Is Written, Voice of Prophecy, Faith for Today, Breath of Life, La Voz de la Esperanza, Life Talk Radio is a network, and Jesus 101. Each one of us has different areas of media that we do. Uh, Jesus 101 is the ministry that I direct 
uh, is mainly a television and, and radio ministry, but we also create a lot of resources for the local churches to be able to do groups, to do evangelism, and all of that. Yesterday, I introduced to you a free evangelistic series that we have called Indestructible Love that we even give you the 100 booklets to each church that downloads the five episodes of this evangelistic um, series that is designed to show the love of God in the light of what we studied yesterday. So uh, if we can go to the next slide, this is our website, jesus101.tv. So if you want to see all these resources, you just simply go to jesus101.tv. We also have an app for any of the phones. Um, you can stream all of our content on our website, but you can also watch it in many other places. You can, we have a Jesus 101 Roku channel, a Jesus 101 YouTube channel, a Jesus 101 Fire TV. Uh, I mean, we, we have all kinds of things. Whatever device you have, you will be able to watch it there. <clears throat> but the app, of course, is, uh, is great because you take it with you. Um, so the next slide shows that we also have audiobooks. Most of my books have been made into audiobooks, and they're free for you on our website and on our app. So you can be walking around the lake listening to the audiobook. Uh, we have Surprised by Love, the one that we did yesterday on the Goel. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Revelation. All of them have been made into audiobooks, and they're free for you to listen. So all of our resources that we create in media are free. We don't charge for any of them. We, we also create illustration videos for you to download for your sermons. All right, so next uh, website, uh, the next slide. All of our television programs are on our website and on our app on demand. So if you want to watch the whole series on the Exodus that I did with Ty Gibson or all the, the series that I did with Dwight Nelson on the Book of Acts or the one on David with uh, Mike Tucker or any of the other ones, they're on demand on our website and on our app. And the next part is I just want to show you um, we have a full store on our website as well. So we have all the books that the ACBC has here. We also have the devotional from 2020. We have uh, Bible studies that we have created. Um, so we have a full store on our website. You also can follow us, obviously, on Facebook, and you can send your prayer request because we get together, all, all of our employees get together to pray for your prayer requests. And the part that I want to show you that most people don't know is that we do biblical studies for kids. So let's go to the next one. We have a whole section called Jesus 101 for Kids, and that's where you will find all the videos that you can show in your churches for kids, for the children's story, also the PDFs that you can download for the kids to color, and activity sheets that you can give the kids along with the videos. So lots of resources, and I'm going to perhaps introduce the topic for today, showing you one of the videos for the kids that we have. If you can keep going, um, this is the way it looks, each, each theme. Uh, that little avatar is me, Lizzie, and, um, and I explain everything through a cartoon. And I think you will really um, appreciate that because you can use this for your, for your churches and for your kids at home and for your grandkids and great-grandkids. So lots of things here. Okay, uh, let's see if we can show the 
one of the videos. They're only 90 seconds because they're for kids. And uh, this is what they look like. So let's go to the video. I gave them a lot of stuff, so they need a little time to go from one <laughs> to the other. But um, let's see, this is the Lazarus video. Is the second one on the list. Let me know if there's any issue with the video. Welcome you to Jesus 101 for Kids. In this video, we will be talking about the resurrection of Lazarus. You can find this story in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 46. Three siblings were very close friends of Jesus. One day, the two sisters sent a message to Jesus that their brother Lazarus was very sick. When Jesus arrived at their place, Four days had passed since Lazarus had died, and it looked like Jesus had come too late. But Jesus had planned to perform one of his greatest miracles there. He went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come out! And just like that, his friend was alive again. We have the assurance that everyone who dies believing in Jesus will live again when he comes back to take us to our heavenly home. I can't wait for resurrection morning when Jesus will come back again and call all his followers out of their tomb saying, come out. Make sure to check out all of our other kids videos available at jesus101.tv forward slash for kids. So as you can see, <laughs> we have a lot of things for kids, and these are biblical studies for children, and there's many, many of them. So I'm hoping you will also use this branch of Jesus 101. We're going to start now with our topic. We have been looking at what the gospel really is and what it means to us. The first day together, we... We studied how it changes us from fear to assurance, and we saw the portraits of Jesus in the book of Revelation, and we talked about the fact that when we understand that Jesus has died in our place, it becomes good news because it is a cry of victory of something already accomplished, not something that will be accomplished, but something that was already accomplished. On Tuesday, we talked about the change from shame to purpose. And we talked about the Samaritan woman. We talked about the gospel as an exchange. He made him who had no sin to be sin in our place so that we could be given the righteousness of God as a gift. Yesterday, we talked about changing from being destitute to having an inheritance. We talked about the Goel concept which I believe is the most profound concept to understand the whole Bible. And we talked about the Goel. We introduced the topic of the Goel, which I think opens up the whole Bible like a key, like a password, that you start seeing the whole Bible in a different way. 
Today we are studying the change from death to life. And we're going to start, I'm going to use the fork to start, and I know all of you have forks, but we're going to use it at the end of our topic, the ones that you have. Because there is a story, and whoever comes late is not going to know why we're all using forks at the end, but you can tell them this story. I'm sure many of you have heard the story of the fork, but it became very personal for me, and I'm going to tell you why. The story of the fork is the story of a woman who knew she was dying. She knew she had a couple of weeks to live and called her pastor to talk to the pastor. You know, as pastors, we have this incredible privilege sometimes of preparing a memorial service with the person who's dying. And that was the privilege of this pastor, she had the whole list of what she wanted in her memorial service. So she said, well, I'm going to give you a list. This is my favorite verse. This is one you're going to read and you do your homily on. And my sister's going to do my biography. My son is going to sing. And then she said a strange thing. She said, I want an open casket ceremony and I want you to put a fork in my hand. And the pastor thought that she he had not heard right, that she had made a mistake. So he said, excuse me, uh, what is it that you said? And she said, I want you to put a fork in my hand when I am dead in front of everybody. I want them to see me with a fork in my hand. And he said, why would you want a fork in your hand? Oh, she said, everybody's going to come and ask you why I have a fork in my hand. And this is going to be my last testimony. And this is what you're going to say. You're going to tell them this. I'm older already, so I cannot usually go, go to get my food when we do potluck after the sermon. So the young people bring me my plate, and then they come to get it from me when it's empty. But if they tell me, keep your fork, oh, she says, when they say keep your fork, I know a hearty dessert is coming, and that the best is yet to come. So she says, I'm dying with a fork in my hand because I want to give a testimony that I know that the best is yet to come. The reason why this became a, a very personal story for me is because one day I was doing camp meeting in Idaho many years ago, and I received a phone call. My mother who had had three different types of cancer. She was heading to the hospital, and she said, Lisi is my nickname, I know that you're far away, I just want to tell you that I'm on my way to the hospital, and I think this is the last time. But then she said, do not worry about it, I'm holding a fork in my hand. I did get there on time, I did see my mother before she passed away, but I saw no fear in her eyes because she died knowing that the best is yet to come. What does it take to live with this or die with this type of assurance? Death is all around us. Even yesterday afternoon, for those of you that, that did not see the news, another shooting in a hospital 
we are surrounded by death. And that's why so many people are discouraged. And we have a message in the gospel that says this is not the end. The best is yet to come. And, you know, this is because of the gospel. So every day I'm trying to give you a verse from Paul, because Paul is the one that excels in giving us the, the details of what the gospel means. And before our narrative today, I'm going to take you to Paul. I'm going to take you to Romans chapter 6. It's a very simple yet profound verse that shows why we can live with assurance in the middle of all this uncertainty of death that surrounds us, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the shootings, whether it's viruses and sicknesses and pain around us, why is it that we who know the gospel live with a fork in our hands, saying to all, I know the best is yet to come? Well, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, is one of those verses that kind of summarizes what Jesus did at the cross and why is it that we're not afraid of death in this world. And so, it says, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, which we know from Genesis that God told Adam and Eve, if you're going to get out of the moral umbrella that I'm placing over you, you will die. You will become mortals. And the first lie of the devil to humans was, no, you won't. No, you won't die. God said you will die, but I'm saying you won't die. And our first parents believed the devil. They believed they wouldn't die. And in the moment they sinned, death entered the world. And they started dying because they, become, they became mortal. And so the wages of sin, we know, is death. God said it from the very beginning. But, and I love the biblical buts, the nevertheless that we find in the Bible. This is the way it was supposed to be. Nevertheless, this other reality came in. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift, underline this, because many of us in the, in the, in the church have been trying to pay for this. But it's free. I have to tell you, yesterday... One of the great joys of my life is when people come to me and say, today I got it. And yesterday, many, many of you came to tell me, I've been in church all my life, and today I got it. And I can't tell you what that means to me, because that's the only reason why I get up at 2 a.m. To, to grab a plane from California to come and preach. It's, it's, it's not because I don't have anything else to do. It's because I want to tell you that this is real. That if you understand the gospel, it does change your life. And all of you that came yesterday and told me today I got it after 40 years of being in the church, that makes it all worthwhile for me. And so here we have the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So at the cross... Not only did he pay for our sins and our iniquities and transgressions, but on top of that, he purchased the right to give us eternal life. 
So sometimes when we uh, read Isaiah 53, 5, we think that it's only saying that he paid. No, it's, it's, it's yes, he paid for our transgressions. He paid for our iniquities. But then it says, the punishment for our peace was upon him. So he also paid the price to bless us with peace. And by his stripes, we are healed, which means that he also paid the price for our healing. Not only did he pay the price for all the bad things, but he purchased the right to bless us with all the good things. And so the, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, which of course you get in Christ Jesus our Lord. So today I want to talk to you about what it means to, to live with this assurance that this is not the end, that it changes everything, the gospel changes everything, and one of the things it changes is that we go from eternal death to eternal life. So we're going to start this story of resurrection with a video, and here we go. This video is called Resurrection. Our story is Adam and Eve's story. We were hiding in the garden, making excuses for our sin, unable to cover up our shame. Our story is Jonah's story. We were running from God denying our calling, surrounded by a raging sea. Our story is a prodigal son story. We were wasting our blessings, lost in our failures, too afraid to return home. Our story is Peter's story. We were unbelieving, full of fear and doubt, our faith slowly sinking beneath the waves. But that is not the end of our story. We are all longing to be restored. We want to stop running. We want to be found. We want to believe, and we are crying out for a savior. So God stepped in, into a broken world, into human form, into our very lives, God stepped into our mess, into our sin, into our failure, our fear, our doubt. He stepped into death, and the door shut behind him. And then he arose and left it all in the grave. He wiped clean our story and started writing a new one. One without shame, without fear, without death. A story full of love and forgiveness. A story of redemption and restoration. It's our life story. It's his story. It's a resurrection story. This is why we live with a fork in our hands. And I'm sorry for those that are coming late that don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe somebody can tell you the story. Because the wages of sin is death. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life, not just will be, is. It starts now. You start living a reality that is eternal, and you start living it now. And so we're going to go to John again today for our story. And I know that you are already experts in the Gospel of John because we did a whole little five minutes uh, on Tuesday. But let me remind you of some things and add a couple of other things. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. You're going to need them today. And those of you that are taking notes, you might be interested in, in the, this little part here too. The Gospel of John is different than the other three Gospels that we have called the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic meaning same optic. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic Gospels. John is not a synoptic Gospel. It's different, tells different stories, uses different methods, introduces Jesus in a different way. 92% of John is only found in John, which means that most of the stories of John are not in any other, other, other Gospel. The key word for John, does anybody remember what's the key word? Believe, that he uses 97 times in his gospel. He uses the word believe, believe, believe. As a matter of fact, he tells us that the purpose for which he wrote this gospel is that you may believe, and that is in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Let's go there. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, tells us why he decided to, um, to write this particular gospel after the other three are already written. John 20, verses 30 and 31. Many other signs, and please circle the word signs because I'll tell you something about it in a moment. Many other signs Jesus performed in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. They're written in the other three Gospels. But these, the ones I chose, this 92% of stories that I chose for this gospel, says John, have been written so that, this is your purpose statement, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So it's interesting because he will use different ways to introduce Jesus, and one of those is this word that he says here, many other signs. Jesus performed. So instead of calling them miracles like the synoptic gospels do, he gives us seven signs in the gospel of John. If you ever want to do a very interesting study of the gospel of John, do the seven signs of who Jesus is in the gospel of John. There's only seven. Now, you remember how he writes the whole gospel? What is his uh, tool narratively? Does anybody remember? Yes, very good. Two levels. In every story, we have two levels. The one you see with your eyes and the second level, which you enter into when you believe in Jesus Christ. So two realities. And every story has a dialogue between the two realities. Like Nicodemus, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can I be born again and enter into my mother's womb? And Jesus says, no, I'm talking about this type of birth. Every story has that type of dialogue. The Samaritan woman, the men born blind. And Lazarus is no exception. Lazarus, the story, is only found in this gospel. But what I want to tell you is that most of the signs are accompanied by a great I am. So the sign 
reveals who Jesus is. That's why he calls them signs and not miracles. They reveal who, reveal who Jesus is, and they are usually accompanied by a great revelation of Jesus, I am, ego, me. So today we start in John chapter 11, and it's a very important sign because it's the last of the seven signs in the Gospel of John. So you have the seven signs, and this is the seventh, and it's so powerful that they will try to kill him after this sign. Okay, so this is the seventh and last sign of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And so let's start, and if you have something to take notes with, please do, because I'm going to give you some details from the original language that are really interesting. Chapter 11 of John, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, and Martha. And that's already very interesting, because Lazarus comes from the name Eleazar, which means God is my help. So even the name of Lazarus is already a request for help, even before he got sick, because Lazarus comes from the name Eleazar, which means God is my help. Verse 3, the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, him who you love is sick. And how important this is to put the two together because many of us struggle, if somebody's sick in our family, does God still love us? And so he says, they say, the one whom you love is sick. So you're expecting Jesus to drop everything he's doing and come because he loves Lazarus. He loves Eleazar. God is my help. But... We have the strangest juxtaposition of verses in verses 5 and 6. And I hope, I hope that today you underline verses 5 and 6 together because this gives us a little bit of trouble. Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. We sometimes think that delays of God means that he doesn't love us. Or if he didn't show up on time in our viewpoint, we think that God has abandoned us. That's why this juxtaposition is so interesting. He, he loved them and delayed. You know, if I get sick tonight, I hope I don't, but if I get sick and you tell my husband, the one whom you love is sick, well, he better be here tomorrow morning. Right, Because you would think that if he loves me, he will come. If not, we'll have to have a little chat, right? So this is, this is why this juxtaposition is so interesting. And I want to tell you something about it before we start. Biblical studies, which is what I am, I'm a biblical studies person, we study the, the Bible from five different angles, the, the narratives. And one of those angles is understanding the customs of the time that are reflected in those verses. And if you're interested, you can email me and I'll tell you where you can start um, studying that extra way to understand because there's so many customs that are reflected in the verses that we, 2,000 years later, in a Western world are not aware of. One of these customs is the fact that at that time there was a belief that the soul stayed around the tomb for three days and left on the fourth day 
That's not what the Bible teaches, but there was a belief in the first century about that, and that the person was really dead only on the fourth day. So Jesus will wait to the fourth day of his death to show up so that everybody will know this is a resurrection. So it's, it's very interesting. So I made a motto out of that for myself that says this, the apparent delays of God are designed to show the magnitude of the miracle. The apparent delays of God are designed to show the magnitude of the miracle. Because they're not delays, they're delays in our view. And so they're gonna go now. It seems a little late, but they're gonna go. And we have this, this two-level um, conversation that I told you about, verse 11. This he said, and after that, I'm in John 11, 11, This he said, and after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. And the disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. Remember the two levels? So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Of course, death couldn't come in the presence of life. I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there so that you may, what's the word? Believe, this is John's word, but let us go to him. And this is where we start with the most unbelievable dialogue. And I say unbelievable because, because it's about faith and I think most of us don't understand what belief really is is. So today I'm going to ask you to help me with your imagination that this is the fruit of belief. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Always interesting, right? <laughs> so he starts talking to Martha when he gets there. And I think we can learn a lot from this. Let's go to verse 20. He gets there. Actually, let me show you verse 17, because the narrative will say over and over again, it was the fourth day, okay? So verse 17, when Jesus came, he found out he had already been in the tomb, how many days? Four days, which means he's really, really dead for the people of that society, okay? So, verse 20, Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. And Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Which is true, and more than a reproach, is a statement of faith. I know who you are. I know what you can do. If you would have been here on time, he wouldn't have died. But then she says something, verse 22, even now I know, and I have to tell you this, this whole gospel is trying to get people from the I know to the I believe. Those 13 inches that go from what you see to what you believe, those 13 inches that are the longest journey a person will ever travel, and that we usually travel those 13 inches by pain. Everybody says, I know, I know in this gospel. Nicodemus says, Ah, we know that you came from God. But Jesus says, do you believe? So Martha says, I know. I know because Martha knows a lot of things. Martha is like us. We know a lot. We don't always believe. 
So Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22. But even now I know, and I have to tell you the word whatever in the Greek is plural. She's not talking about the resurrection of Lazarus. She's saying, whatever things you still ask of God, God will still give you. God will still hear your prayers even though you missed it this time. Even though you're late this time, I still believe that God will hear your prayers and give you whatever things you ask. This type of faith, we all go through it and we need to have it, is when we believe in certain spiritual disciplines. And they're very important because you'll see why in a moment. But she says, I believe in prayer. I believe God hears your petitions. And that's important that you believe this. We, are call, we call this the how of Christianity. How a Christian behaves. The things we do. And they're important. They're very important. Do you believe in prayer? Yeah, I believe in prayer. I believe in, 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 in studying. I believe in worship. I believe in spiritual disciplines. I believe in the how of a Christian. So in our fruit, everything is edible in this fruit, okay? So the how is usually the first level we're invited into. When somebody says to us, you got to pray about this. You, you got to contact God. You, you got to come to worship. You got to... Uh, this is the how of Christianity, and all of you are waiting to see if I'll do this without cutting it. Okay, so this is the how of Christianity. It's very important, very important, because it's, it's protecting something very important. It's the how. But Jesus answers to her, verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know. Because Martha knows a lot of things. Martha answers, verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. She almost copied word by word our doctrine of the state of the dead from our Adventist manual. She says, I know he will rise again on the resurrection in the last day. She has it right. We call this second part, and I don't know the technical, the technical name of the white stuff. And don't try to give it to me because other people have, and I always forget it. So the second part of the fruit we call the what we believe. These are the doctrines. What? Oh, I know, she says. I know. I know that he will resurrect in the last day. I know. Do you believe the doctrines? Do you believe in the doctrines? Yes, I do too. I believe in the Sabbath, at the state of the dead. I believe on all the things that, as a matter of fact, the Adventist Church has 28 doctrines, and I believe all of them. That's the what. So this is the how of Christianity. This is the what of Christianity. But Jesus says there is more. You can't live 30 years in the church only with peelings and white stuff. You can't. I'm going to ask the pastor here. Could you come up, please? <laughs> Sorry, he didn't know I was going to do this, but I have to. I have to. <laughs> so let's say I want to evangelize you. Yes. But I haven't gotten to the Jews yet. Mm. 
So you got to pray two hours a day. So please eat that. Oh. <laughs> Prayer is important, right? So, yes. so eat it. You, you don't want to eat it? No. It's edible. Can't you try a little bit? Is it good? It's kind of bitter. It's kind of bitter. Yeah. Okay, then let's go to the doctrines then. Um, keep the Sabbath from sunset to sunset. It's better, right? A little better? A little better, not much. Okay. So, so, so th <laughs> you're making me laugh. So this is uh, another doctrine that I want to teach you about, and I want you to know this is the doctrine you should believe, so eat it. Now, Jesus says to her, if all you have is peeling and white stuff, you're going to have a very dry and bitter religious experience. Yes. But if you evangelize like this and you say, well, Jesus said I'm the resurrection and the life. So I'm going to get you the core. Is that better? It's a good grapefruit. It's a good grapefruit because you got to the core. <laughs> yes, you have the peeling, you have the white stuff, but you got to the core. Yes. And the how and the what's must take us to the who. If they don't, all you have is peelings and white what's stuff. Yeah. Let's give him a hand for going through all of this. <laughs> Thank you. So Jesus said, I'm glad you know the doctrine of the state of the dead. Jesus said, I'm glad you believe in prayer. But Jesus said, I am, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And Martha said, oh, yeah. I forgot to, to tell you, I know that you are the Son of God and have come here and I believe you. Okay, says Jesus, let's go to the tomb. Because when you believe, you have gotten to the core. Because the peelings and the white stuff are not to be discarded. They are there to take you to the person. The house and the what's were designed to take you to the who. So you should never have a, 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 a Bible study, a prayer, a Sabbath school, a sermon without taking you to the cross. <laughs> never, ever. And, and we should be training all of our pastors and all of our elders and all of our lay leaders to explain the Sabbath in light of the cross and the eschatology in, in light of the one who said, I am the eschatos. I am the last, Jesus said. So don't talk about last day events if you're not going to talk about me because then you're going to scare everybody. But if you say, I'm going to tell you about the one who said I'm the first and the last, which is the word eschatos, now talk about eschatology because you're going to tell me about Jesus. Do you see the difference? It's a huge difference. And uh, in the Adventist church, we don't have 28 pearls of great price. We have one pearl of great price. And the angles through which we understand this pearl are the doctrines. But they're angles of a pearl. 
So you can't be talking about the doctors without talking about Jesus. The first day I was here, somebody came to talk to me. And they said, I just became an Adventist. And nobody talks about Jesus here. This is our North Star. What does Paul mean when he says, I will know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified? He's saying, well, learn to interpret the whole Bible in light of the cross and then go out to preach it. Because if not, you're going to create people that have apocalyptic fever and they don't have the one who said, I am the last. Don't be afraid. When we started our denomination... You know, I'm a, I'm a biblical person as, a, as far as being a biblical theologian, but I believe in Ellen White. The reason why I don't usually bring her in is because I, I want to tell you and teach you about the Bible. But I'm going to say one, I'm going to show you one quote from her. Because when our denomination started, we were told, don't ever preach without the cross. And we forgot. So I'm going to show you the quote on the PowerPoint. It says this. The sacrifice of Christ as atonement for sin is the great truth. It has a definite article because it's not one more truth. It's not one out of 28 evangelistic nights. It's the great truth around which all other truths cluster. In order to be rightly understood and appreciated, every truth, can I say that again? Every truth in the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, must be studied in the light that comes from the cross of Calvary. And it continues. Next, I present before you the great grand monument of mercy and regeneration, salvation and redemption. The Son of God uplifted on the cross. Now check this out. This is to be the foundation of one out of 28 sermons. This is to be the foundation of every discourse given by our ministers. If somebody comes into your church one time in their lifetime, that day they have to have understood how they can be saved through Jesus' blood. This is in Gospel Workers, page 315, and it's in page 334, the Hispanics. So then, when we understand this, then we live with a fork in our hands. Because we are constantly getting to the Jews. Every prayer, every prayer meeting, every Sabbath morning, every worship, every song, somehow will take us to the cross. Because that's where the core is. So the hows and the whats must take you to the who. If they don't take you to the who, all you will have is a religious experience, 40, 50 years eating peelings and white stuff. But when you get to the core, oh, it's so different. If I say, I know I'll see my mom again. Mm. Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so everybody in your neighborhood wants to know, how can you have assurance in the middle of this crazy world? Oh, you say, mm. because one has given me assurance 
that this is not the end. The best is yet to come. This is how you evangelize, always getting to the Jews. So Jesus said, okay, let's go to the tomb. Verse 38, John eleven thirty-eight. Jesus again was deeply moved within, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone was lay, lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha, who a moment ago did a confession of faith in verse 27, saying, I believe that you're the Son of God, and all of that. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for it has been dead how many days? Four days. Jesus, he's, he's really, really dead. I, I, think the, I think the King James Version is very funny. Here it says, it says, Lord, it stinketh. <laughs> I think it's so funny to put the word stink with F. Lord, it stinketh. And Jesus said, but didn't we settle this a moment ago? Jesus said to her, verse 40, did I not say to you that if you believe, this is the key word, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you that it's a sure thing if you believe? And you know what? All the people who die, having accepted Jesus as a Savior, all we have is a delay factor. But we all will have the same story as Lazarus. The reason why Jesus resurrected Lazarus raised him from the dead, is so that you will know that that's the way your story ends. As far as we know, Lazarus died afterwards again. He just raised him as a metaphor of what he will be at the very end with this delay factor. We all, your children, your grandchildren who have passed away, your parents, your siblings, we will all end up exactly like this story. Because ours is a resurrection story. Because he took our death to give us eternal life. And so, Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? And they removed the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes. And, I, and this prayer breaks my heart. It says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me because Jesus also believed in prayer. But because of the people standing around, I say it, so that they may believe that you sent me. <laughs> These people know so much. They were all Jews around, it says the narrative. They, they kept the Sabbath. They went to church on the Sabbath. They had the, 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 the food laws of Leviticus 11. They did all these things. But they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't get to the core. They only had peelings and white stuff, and they never got to the Jews. So that's what he prays. I, I pray that they may believe in me. 43 says, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. We have a joke in the academic world that he had to say Lazarus. Because, you know, the whole mountain was a cemetery. And if he said, come out, the whole mountain was going to resurrect. So he said, no, 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 not all of you. Lazarus, come out. And we are told here, the men who had died came forth. Every time I go to my parents' tomb, 
this last sentence in this verse that says that Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Every time I go to my parents' tomb, I imagine Jesus telling the devil on resurrection morning, unbind them and let them go. This is my parents' tombstone. Juan Carlos Viera, Alicia Mayer Viera. I told you that I lost my parents quite early, actually. I am an, an only child, and both of them died of cancer. And both of them died with absolute peace in their eyes. I got to anoint both of my parents for death. I spoke for each one of my parents' memorial service as a homily. But you know, my father was a pastor more than 40 years, and the day that I realized that he was going to die soon, and I went to anoint him, I opened John chapter 11, and I said, Dad, I know you have chosen this verse many times as you anointed other people, but now it's your time. And it's very different to anoint other people. I haven't anointed many people when they were dying, but to anoint your mom and dad, well, it's a little different. And I said, Dad, in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Daddy, do you believe this? And he said with a big smile, and I'm never going to forget it, I believe in him, and I know I will see him face to face, not because my life was perfect, but because his sacrifice was. After this, verse 53 says, from that day on, they planned together to kill him. In John, this miracle takes Jesus to his death. And it was too good. It was too much. It was the greatest sign. And so they wanted to kill him. I don't know if you have lost loved ones or if you're in another type of dead end situation that feels like a tomb. I don't know if it's your marriage or your job or, I don't know, financial situation. All I know is that there's two levels of reality. The one we see and the, why, the one we believe in. And I want you to know there is a second level of your reality that Jesus has purchased for you. This is why salvation is by faith. Actually, salvation is by grace and we grasp it through faith, and that's a gift from God. Because we never see ourselves as saved. If you look at yourself, you're never going to say, oh, I'm so good, I'm going to be saved. If you say that, you're very, very far away from God. And I'll tell you why. Because the closer you get to God, the more sinful you will feel. But at the same time, the more assurance of your salvation you'll have. That's the paradox of Christianity. That in Latin, Martin said, is called simul justus et peccator. It means that you're simultaneously declared just 
even though you know yourself to be a sinner. And I tell you something, it changes your life to live with the assurance of salvation in spite of the fact that you know you are not perfect. This is what the reformers said. When I look at myself, I say, I don't know how I could ever be saved. In, in, the, in the King James Version, it would say, I look at myself and it says, it stinketh. <laughs> the reformer said, I look at myself and I don't know how I could ever be saved. But when I look at Jesus, I don't know how I could ever be lost. And so today, I want to invite you to live with a fork in your hands. Soon and very soon, Revelation 21 says that we will live in a world that have no more death, no more suffering, no more losing your sibling or your child, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more of those things. Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe whew, every tear from their eyes, from our eyes. And there will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Verse 6, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's why we spell salvation D-O-N-E. It's done. We know how the story ends. We summarize the whole Bible in two words. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. We know how it ends. Say it with me. One, two, three. Jesus wins. One more time. Jesus wins. That's why we can live with a fork in our hands. So today I'm going to ask you something that probably you've never done. I'm going to ask you to grab your forks. Is there anybody that doesn't have forks? Ushers, do we have any more forks? No more forks. Okay, so those that don't have forks, you're going to raise your hand and do that like this. So you have four fingers and that's going to be your fork, okay? All right? So stand up with your fork, please. And I'm sorry those that were not at the beginning, you don't know what this means. But it's a symbol of the best is yet to come. So we're going to sing together with our forks up. So if you don't have a fork, you put your hand up. And uh, the photographer, please make sure you take a photo of this. So then, then you can explain why everybody in the camp meeting is holding a fork. Okay? And we're going to sing soon and very soon. All right? Ready? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. A little faster, no more dying there, no more dying there. We are going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
we're going to see the king. And until that day, we're going to summarize the Bible in two words. One, two, three. Say it together. Jesus wins. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. The gospel changes everything. Because you have taken us from death to life. Simply because we come to believe that at the cross, you took our eternal death because you gave your perfect life as a sacrifice for us at the cross. And you took our eternal death and you gave us eternal life. May this be our reality today and forever. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. See you tomorrow.